Greetings. I'm David Garrig. Welcome to the Asana Kitchen podcast. Uh, this month's topic is on uh, coming to a new definition of tapas yeah. and honoring the old but coming to a new definition of tapas. Okay, and so before we get started, just want to remind you that uh, or inform you that I have a, a nice course coming up, uh, Mysore Foundation second series from June 1st to July 22nd. And so it's a uh, course that prepares you to enter my regular weekly Mysore classes. So we have focus on um, the foundational uh, principles and uh, kind of the foundation orientation that I teach, my system of Ashtanga within the system. And, and so we'll, it meets on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we focus on um, projects from Surya Namaskara, standing and inversions, and then additionally getting into second series. So you don't have to have taken my um, foundations course on the primary series to enter this course and after taking this course you will be eligible for my regular Mysore uh, classes so hope you decide to join me and you can find out more information on my website okay so today's topic is um, very uh, dear to my heart right now it's something I've been thinking about in my own practice and uh, just want to share with you and uh, kind of get into it. And so it's a deep subject. It's um, about tapas, and tapas means heat. Um, and it refers to the, the discipline of practice and partly the friction that is caused by um, basically resistance to practice that, that we all encounter as we um, endeavor to be disciplined and do do this uh, kind of rigorous practice every day. But I want to kind of look into the the meaning of tapas and um, and then hopefully give you some ideas about um, how to better use this uh, tapas or what what your discipline is for and how to make the best uh, the best of it because it's kind of a Tapas is a razor's edge uh, that is necessary for each of us to walk. And I'm going to kind of go into the specifics of that. But first, I just want to remind you um, real briefly that like the purpose of yoga. So the, the greater purpose is very key in this conversation. And so it, it, the Yoga Sutras lays it out very concisely uh, in, right at the beginning uh, of the book saying that the, so yoga's chitta vritti nirodaha. So, so um, it, then there's actually two, those two sutras that go together, yoga's chitta vritti nirodaha and tada drashtahu swarupe avastanam. So it means that yoga happens when the, we cease to identify with the activities of our mind. And, um, and at that time when that happens, so kind of when, it's kind of a satori moment or a sudden awakening, like a uh, you're kind of jogged out of the illusion of the kind of material self that we're usually 
uh, identify ourselves with and we pierce through to what they call the swarupa or the essence that um, tada drashtahu swarupe so we uh, we kind of understand our essence as a spiritual seer in the world so it's a very distinct um, moment in time when you realize you're not I am not just David, this personality, this body, this, um, this history, this person with the hopes and aspirations and um, all these relationships and this, you know, everything that's kind of happening to me and within me and that I'm causing to happen in the material world. There's a deeper essence. There's a spiritual part. Okay. And so that's just the 101 that, and you're, so practice is, Tapas is needed because the identification with the, act, with the material self and all of the activities that are constantly taking place in the mind and body uh, that sort of uphold that identification, it's rigorous. It's, it requires a strong um, practice, a training to halt your, your identification with that whole flow of... Um, Kind of material identification with material. And so, but one real aspect that I want to point out to you in this um, basic summary that um, is key to the conversation is, so one difference that between the, uh, the kind of state of being identified with the material world and then becoming a spiritual seer is uh, kind of, what we call the identifying with the ego and your sense of, of um, control and what we call that the small self, that that, that is what is um, in control, that my, me, David, that I'm the, I'm in control of what I do and that I know best uh, for myself how to pursue happiness and, um, and lead the most fulfilling life. Uh, where, but as a spiritual seer, there's a letting go of that um, thinking that my small self, that my ego and my will are the, the best and possibly sole determinants of my um, destiny. So that there's um, this um, more pure I amness that transcends the mundane ego. And there's a, a, kind, a large self that's um, the self of the entirety of life. And, and it's a much greater power, much greater uh, force, and a much more um, trustworthy guide through life. Okay, and so this is something very hard for, for the human being to... Uh, account for and give over to. It's called Ishwara Pranidhana in the Yoga Sutras, which is uh, surrender to the Lord or, um, be, or um, wanting to know or uh, becoming loyal to the, this higher self. And in the modern world where the ideas of God and religion have been so blown open and blown apart and um, kind of disintegrated, and many of us that do yoga uh, 
are kind of a little bit um, adrift. Like we don't, we haven't identified with, um, you know, Christian religion or kind of more formal Western ways of worshiping. And, and yet, and so, so that yoga though is, contains this aspect. Okay, so that tapas, it, like it's one thing to think of like uh, that I'm, I'm ceasing to identify with my small self to access a larger self that almost like uh, in a Carl Jung sense of uh, individuation, like that, that which I, I, I really like that um, and I use that kind of model of what it means to be a spiritual seer, uh, that there's kind of a, an original seeing that, you're, that you were born uh, into the world to do. And it, th so there's kind of a non-conforming, non-imitation, uh, a very um, singular, singular view and, and a singular contribution to make that you, that's your kind of mandate for being born and having a body and having consciousness, right? That, and there's support in the text for a kind of more, um, you, like you're in control of that, um, that seeing, that even though it's a, it's a trend, it goes beyond identifying with your material self, there's, it's still like you're in control of it, of this bigger seeing, like as an individuating. And, and in the Yoga Vashishta, it talks about that, um, that self-effort is everything and that fate or destiny is not, is, is, a, is an illusion. And that whatever you gain in this world, you gain by self-effort. Okay, and, and then the word kaivalya um, in the yoga also addresses that this, it means isolation or um, independence. So to me, this is very, this has a very different flavor than that there's, there's God, basically, that there's a, a force that you literally need to uh, listen for within yourself and um, offer sacrifice to and try your very, in great earnest, to follow into life and to like relinquish your, your own uh, volition in a way. So it's an interesting thing to step on your mat every day as a surrender. So, but I do want to talk to you now about tapas, specifically, because you can say that the tapas is your method this is kind of how you're going to approach um, the transcendent state that you're, you're looking for. And if you see it in a more, uh, um, you know, in the first way that I described, that's just more like you're in control, but it's still something larger um, than your small little ego and your small little concerns. Or if you're going to see it as this much bigger kind of um, surrender to God, um, it still involves tapas, okay? And so, and tapas is a gnarly word, okay? And this is what uh, I, partly I'm trying to 
get at with you. So it means, um, so tapas means penance, um, austerity, um, asceticism, and then even, and, and then it goes this far, goes um, self-inflicted torture, uh, suffering, and um, severe or deep meditation, and body mortification. Okay, and, um, and penance, uh, penance means, uh, it means voluntary self-punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for having done something wrong. And austerity is sternness or severity of manner or attitude. And then it, and it's, um, austerity is conditioned, characterized by asceticism. And so asceticism is um, severe self-discipline and avoidance of um, indulgence, typically for religious uh, reasons. And then it's also a doctrine. So asceticism is a doctrine that a person a doctrine that a person can attain a high spiritual or moral state by practicing self-denial and self-mortification. Okay, so, so, wow. So there's this roots of, of a very deep kind of, um, very strong uh, resistance to the material self. That if you want to pierce through to this uh, kind of spiritual dimension, and um, transcend the ego, you've got to get radical, right? That there's, there's this self-discipline and um, to the point of denying one's own interests and needs and um, restraining or curbing one's desires. And it's funny that, uh, see, I'm talking to you about this because, well, for one, in a way we, We've modernized yoga and we've modernized the idea of tapas to where we don't, um, we don't even think about the roots of the word any, anymore because it's, they're so extreme. Like the idea of self-mortification or um, voluntary self-punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for having done something wrong. So like, there, so there's this, this idea that our, that identifying with the material self is so uh, toxic, right? And it's so embedded in us that we have to do these kind of terrible restraint and like punish ourselves in order to, um, to stop identifying with it. And the, the subject of this podcast is the idea that, of coming to a new definition of tapas. Okay, but, but to me, I don't want to throw out the old definition because those, presumably the, the people from the past, the yogis from the past, and, and all the spiritual seekers, because the, penance is is in all religions and self-mortification and flagellation and um, these things, okay, and, and practicing austerities. And so you can, to me, I want to learn from that. And I want to use those images of, the, of those, uh, the extremes of what tapas could be. I, I, for one, I want to use it to appreciate the difficulty of what I'm attempting, 
Okay, so that the frank reality is we are people, us, you and me are identified with the material world. Strong attachment. Okay, and our our desires and so much of who we are and what we value is caught up in um, pursuing material material materiality as our source of as the the means of fulfillment. Okay, and so we have to appreciate that it's going to take something very strong from us to come to a new place, to come to this. Um, the essence, the, the, the root of why we're alive as a, as a person. Okay, and then the, the other reason that we want to um, know about and to a certain degree uh, appreciate um, the roots of the word tapas is because that's how we will evolve and, um, and figure out how to walk a razor's edge, okay? Because, so, so suppose we just throw out all those ideas that we just, oh, that's, that's terrible. That, what a wrong way of approaching spirituality. What an unenlightened way, you know, or, and what a primitive and uh, dated, right? And that the, the enlightened person knows that uh, kindness and love and, um, non-harming are essential uh, aspects of tapas, right? And, and so th those are true sentiments, but we can also fall into a kind of shadow thing where we fail to appreciate just how hard it is to overcome our attachments and things and that we can kind of intellectually know that we want peace and that non-harming and love is what we value. But then situations come up and we lash out. We, and, or our desires get at us in, um, in ways, in passive ways or in um, backdoor ways that, um, that we can't account for. Okay, and, and so to a certain degree, we have to respect that seekers from the past appreciated what, how hard it was to the point where they, they got ruthless with themselves and, and possibly tipped over too far into ruthlessness to achieve their aims and, and maybe um, strayed off the path. Okay, but just to blanketly say that, um, that discipline and... Um, abstinence and austerities are negative or something that, you know, only leads to problems. Now, that's a big mistake, right? We need um, abstinence. We need a certain amount of self-denial and, um, and even purification, like that when that partly practice, we, it is an atonement. It is a penance. It is us returning to the present moment and and kind of experiencing the consequences of the, the actions that we've taken in the last 24 hours. And, um, and in a certain way, we, we, get, we don't keep, a, a practice makes it so that we don't just keep acting ad nauseum, that, that no, that there's breaks in the action and there's a kind of 
um, closing off of material. It's a, an attempt not to identify with it, to, to deny it and purify. And so um, it's quite a, a, a dance that we must dance. And, and it is strong. That's really what I, I want to emphasize to you. And, and I'll, I'll back that up with the, this, um, the word hatha. Okay, so, it, it's, it, so we think of it as um, the physical yoga, hatha yoga. That's what Ashtanga is, and that's what we do. And sometimes it's translated as sun and moon, like opposing forces, uh, playing with opposing forces or harnessing forces. And then it's also um, interpreted as yoga of the will. And then it sometimes the farthest extreme it will go is to call, be called the forceful yoga. But the word hatha is far more extreme than, than even the word um, force, forceful. Okay, and, and it's like we... Many people, we don't even know that this, that what the word means. And I'm going to give you some of the, the, the meanings here. It means killing, hurting, uh, world up, um, visited or afflicted or tormented by, uh, struggling with, suffering from, uh, it, it, ruined, miserable, uh, knocked out, ended, destroyed. So these are very strong words that um, kind of match the strength of the original meaning of tapas that I'm, I'm kind of asking you to sit with and learn from and, and to a certain degree not forget because, because what we're trying to do is it comes down to life or death. And so the, the, the yogis from the past, I mean, Hatha, it... It partly refers to um, like killing the the small self and um, and very much like world. It's called world up. So we're gonna kind of stir up all the forces in us. We're gonna stir up those forces of um, desire and frustration and anger and um, unfulfillment and attachment and. Put those all in play and uh, attempt to transcend them. And you see, to me, we want to know about and kind of live in this um, extreme uh, definition of these words, like I said, because we don't want to underestimate, like what this discipline is about or how much is required of us, okay? And so, and so our mission is to kind of embrace the, the undilutedness of the kind of um, radical switch in perspective we're trying to attain by um, chitta vritti nirodaha by cessation of identifying with the activities of our minds and coming to our, this essence as seer. So I'm gonna get a little help for some, from a few poets to back up what I'm saying to you, so you kind of put it into some context. So there's a poet um, from the same tradition as Lala, his name is um, Nuruddin, and he is a, a Kashmiri Sufi poet. And he, and he wrote these two poems about um, the self. 
and the lower self, okay? And they're, they're totally contrasting and they give you an idea of what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. Okay, so the first one says, just straight out, after killing the lower self, right? After killing the lower self, and this is like you're killing your personality, your identification with your body, all these hopes that you have in your history, after killing the lower self, those who become disciplined, they suffer and act as servants searching for God truthfully. Okay, they consider everything. So everything material, the body all throughout the world, they consider everything as ashes. Okay, so here it is. After killing the lower self, those who become disciplined, they suffer and act as servants searching for God truthfully. They consider everything as ashes. It's like disintegrating, impermanent, not lasting, and therefore not valuable, not as worthy as this um, eternal self that's, that's hidden behind these, um, all the material. Okay, so to me, this represents kind of the old school um, view. And, um, and then, then he writes this poem, which is so amazing. And it represents to me more of the new school that I'm kind of advocating for even though I, and, and I think that when we get to a new version, a new definition of tapas, a new definition of hatha, we don't need to throw out the old. We can kind of um, keep those images there as helpers, even though we are not necessarily going to go to those places um, in our practices. Okay, so here's beautiful what he says. The same poet, right? He goes, don't abuse the lower self. Don't abuse the lower self. See, it's not, not only do you not kill it, you don't abuse it. Don't abuse the lower self. Strike a bargain with the lower self. Keep your ego under control. And then on recognizing the lower self, just recognizing the lower self, God is attained. Okay, but to me, if you only have the one poem, don't abuse the lower self, strike a bargain with the lower self, keep your ego under control on recognizing, on recognizing the lower self God has attained, then you're liable to kind of come into this sort of too soft, um, not really appreciating the difficulty of what you're attempting to do. Okay, and that's why I like the juxtaposition where you go, uh, I'm going to go back to the other poem, which, um, after killing the lower self, though, those who become disciplined, they suffer. That's tapas. They suffer and act as servants. Servants, right? They're giving over. They've, t they've surrendered. And then they're searching for God truthfully, and they consider everything as ashes. So what I want to tell you is, the, um, to me, that partly the idea of being a seer, okay, and, as, um, that, and that I just love this idea that you come out into this world with a specific uh, mission, 
a dharma, a kind of um, something you're, you are becoming. Uh, and, and it's a, a meaningful something, a profound something. And um, James Hillman calls it the acorn theory. So there's an innate image of the self that you are born with, just like the, the blueprint of the oak tree is in the acorn, right? So all of the, and Kabir, he puts it in a poet, he, he says that inside that seed, there's the blossoms, there's the tree, the trunk, there's the branches, and there's even the blossoms and the shade. So there's all, so it's, it's preset. And, and so each of us has this kind of um, unique perspective we're meant to bring to the world that's almost uh, preordained uh, in the sense that we don't just plop out here randomly. Okay, so we're given kind of a specific body, specific senses, uh, specific mind, and, and it's all kind of um, meant to uh, be used for uh, somehow representing the sacred dimension of life in, in, in this very unique way. Okay, and we don't get to choose the gifts we have. And so, and we don't get to choose the course of our lives. And we can, at the best we can do is be a kind of co-creator. We can, and, and this is the spirit of the Yoga Vashishta where it's saying self-effort is, is, is mightier than um, the momentum from the, our past actions that carry forward and create new actions. But the, the, the action that we have in the present moment is our strongest force for um, kind of fulfilling our vision of how we want our life to be. And, and so, so we've got self-effort plus the, this kind of cosmic mandate from a higher power that we're trying to follow into action. And I love the, the to me, the word creativity really sums it up. Because, and this is what I, I feel like. I feel like we're all kind of artists in some way in this world and that we're, we're and, and the word, so look at the word cre creativity. So it's the ability to transcend traditional ideas, rules, patterns, relationships, or the like and to create meaningful new ideas, forms, methods, interpretations, et cetera. So, and so, um, see, and this is something very beautiful to me, the ability to transcend traditional ideas, rules, patterns, relationships, or the like, to create meaningful new ideas, forms, methods, interpretations. See, and this, this is why I, I appreciate those harsher, more extreme definitions of the word, words tapas and hatha, that um, to create, to kind of overcome your um, conformity, your tendency to imitate, your fear of standing alone, and to like use your individual voice in whatever field is you, your, your chosen um, expertise. Now this is formidable. Okay, this takes everything you have and it takes uh, sacrifice. Okay, and, and sacrifice is another strong word that, that, that goes right along with tapas. So, I mean, in its most extreme, sacrifice is to kill an animal or a person 
and offer them to a higher power, right? Um, but, but in a more basic sense, it's to give up something for something else considered more important, or to give up, destroy, permit injury to, or to forego something valued for the sake of something having a more pressing claim. And so, in, in a sense, though, th then this is where the kind of self-denial and, uh, and tapas and the idea of killing comes in, where you, we can't just follow our desires, and um, that if we want to reach to our creativity and to come to, to offer something new in our field, whatever it, it may be, um, as a as a writer, as a parent, as a teacher, as an engineer, as an ecologist, as a musician, as a yogi, whatever it is, there's, there's going to be, there has to be a, a very strong discipline, um, a, a, an amount of intensity and a, um, an ability to direct force. And if you look at the, the definition of tapas, or I'm sorry, of hatha, I'm going to go back to that, but it, it, it's interesting how it's um, saying visited, visited by, tormented by. You see, and this is so interesting that hatha means that. that and see, the, in, in James Hillman, in, the, um, in the, his, his book, The Soul's um, Code, he, he's talking about that we each have this daemon or a kind of guardian angel or this kind of part in us that's constantly kind of goading us or trying to direct us to go towards the, the higher self. So to stop identifying with the material and that it's a, and it, it's an interesting thing that it positively torments us, um, that we can become afflicted by these things and that it's reflected in our need to practice, right? That, so those of us that practice Hatha Yoga, there's a restlessness, okay? There's a, we're, we're tormented. We, we're like um, having strong forces moving through us that we've got to um, interface with every day and try to um, regulate and control and harness. And um, I love this poem by Lala that I, I want to share with you that um, she, she says it's super um, talking about tapas. Um, so she says, your face is beautiful, but your loving is cold. Your tongue is tired of saying sacred words over and over, and your fingers that you've You've worked them to the nub, copying texts. And you can say that you're, you know, you've done downward dogs so many times, <laughs> right? And you've jumped into triangle and go up into headstand and you've worked your body. You've worked your breath. And, and yet, and here's the final line, but the rage stored inside you has found no way to leave. Whew. You see, and this is, this is the thing, you guys. This is what I'm saying to you, that the, peop the, the past seekers, they didn't have it all wrong. 
Okay, they, in fact, they, they had an honesty to them that because they, they showed that they really, that, that a spiritual seeker really is laying it on the line. Okay, and, and that we're trying to deal with, uh, in a very uh, tangible and um, consistent way, dealing with our rage, our deep um, angst and fear, and our um, kind of yearning for connection and fulfillment and like to know beauty and love. And, and, and looking around the world that we live in and how much, how much absence of those things that we're surrounded by and that we take part in. And, um, and we're affected by this, okay? This, this stuff gets to us. And so the, hot, the word hatha means struggling with, suffering from, um, smitten, even ruined, smitten, like taken and um, knocked out. And so we have to do our best, though, to um, strike a bargain with the lower self, to, to not let the ego um, whole, take over. Uh, and in the recognition of uh, kind of our, the worldliness that uh, our own worldliness and the worldliness we're surrounded by, then um, attaining God. And also, not just attaining God, but um, fulfilling the idea of creativity, of like that we, we do transcend um, old rules and patterns. And we, we're able to see, see the past and learn from it and move into something something new and some growth and, um, and make a new contribution. Um, and lastly, the, just wanted to introduce this, the word prayer as part of tapas. And so if we're thinking about this, that we've got the small self, the material self, and we're attempting to kind of cease to identify that and come to this um, abiding in our essence as seer, and then, and following the, the daemon, following the guardian angel towards um, fulfilling whatever that unique um, kind of spiritual seeing that we have to do. And, and prayer is, um, well, it's an earnest hope or wish. That's one of the first, um, it's kind of a secular definition of it. That it's just simply to wish for uh, well, and hopefully that, that we're, that we wish for, if you, a kind of spectrum of what you could wish from, wish for, from the most superficial thing to the deepest, kind of most profound and sacred. And prayer would be to earnestly hope for, wish for the most profound um, and the most kind of um, universal and all-inclusive um, thing. And then I love this, that prayer is talking to God in um, the act or ceremony of speaking to God to express thanks or request help. And so there's this idea of like being in a continual kind of dialogue with this um, higher um, aspect of self that's, that's really the source of everything. And 
I love that there's a few things from the Bible that um, say what, um, what prayer is. And one is pouring out one's soul to the Lord. And then the other is crying out to heaven. And I, see, I love that. that and, and this is partly um, practice. And, and that idea of, of Lala that's so kind of haunting in a way that, um, that we try, we repeat the text, we do our asanas, we do our pranayama, and still the rage ha hasn't found a way to leave. And, and, so, so, but, and so we use, we kind of cry out and, um, and just attempt to be in this, um, another um, thing from the Bible is drawing near to God. And, um, and so, it's a beautiful thing. And so I have a few poems that I want to close with, um, with you. Uh, one more from Lala, where she says, uh, in this, the, it's a pun, because in, in her language, the onion and breath mean the same. So onion and breath. And so she goes, I, I locked the doors and windows. Okay? And this is like of my body. I shut my eyes and ears and I withdrew inward. So I locked the doors and windows. I grabbed hold the onion thief and yelled for help. I, so I tied up that thief in an inside closet and threatened it with om, om. Om. I threatened it with Om. And I, sh I shut the body openings and I found out what steals the even breath, what steals the truth of who we are. I love that. And it, and it, has, it, has, it has strength. I shut, I locked, I threatened the... The onion thief, the breath thief with Om. <laughs> I just love that. And so I stopped my body's opening and I found out what steals that breath and what steals the truth of who we are. Okay, and then um, a wonderful ball poem that I want to share with you. So it says, let your heart be a caring home for the man of your heart. So, the, and the, it could be the woman of your heart or the self of your heart. See, let your heart be your heart, be a caring home for the secret one of your heart. Focus your vision through the eye black of loving. The eye black of loving. Focus your vision through love. And because um, this secret one will be floating on the mercurial mirror. Floating on the mercurial mirror. So very difficult to detect. Changeable, hiding, hide and seek. And, and then it says, hours wither. Hours wither. See, we have limited time for this. So we have to be very ready to walk the razor's edge. Hours wither like broken games on this playground of the earth. Abandon search. Abandon search. Join the caravan of love. 
So let me read that to you one more time, all the way through. Let your heart be a caring home for the man of your heart. Focus your vision through the eye black of loving. He will be floating on the mercurial mirror. Hours wither like broken games on the playground of this earth. Abandon search and join the carnival of love. Okay, and then lastly, a beautiful Kabir poem. So he goes, go on, go and do good things for your God. Go on and do good things for your God who has unexpectedly entered the temple of day and night, <laughs> right? So God has unexpectedly come here to this material plane. And don't be the lunatic in the second act. This day will not last forever. The one I love has wanted for millions and millions of years, no, sorry, the one I love has waited. The one I love has waited for millions and millions of years for me. And it was for love of me that he lost his self-sufficiency, right? And so God is thought of as, right, independent, kaivalya, self-sufficient and um, separated from materiality. But, but then when, when life happens, when you and me happens, that self-sufficiency is, is, becomes murky, right? And then, so it says that the one, but, but I know nothing of that delight, which was three inches from me because my love was still asleep. And now my darling has made clear to me the meaning of the note I heard. See, the, the, the note I heard, and this is that listening f that, you, that we have to get to, this deep listening place where we follow. We don't think of our ego as the, the leader. And so he goes, now my, my darling has made clear to me the meaning of that note I heard. Now my good time has come. Kabir says, how great my luck is. Imagine someone loving, someone you love stroking you and that tenderness never ends. Okay, so I'll read it to you one more time all the way through. Such a beautiful poem. Go and do good things for your God who has unexpectedly entered the temple of day and night. Don't be the lunatic in the second act. This day will not last forever. The one I love has waited millions and millions of years for me. And it was for love of me that he lost his self-sufficiency. But I know nothing of that delight which was three inches from me because my love was still asleep. Now my darling has made clear to me the meaning of that note I heard. Now my good fortune has come. Kabir says, see how great my luck is. Imagine someone you love stroking you and that tenderness, that tenderness never ends. Oh boy. So there you have it. Uh, so I hope that kind of gives you some food for thought on what you are doing on your mat and how you 
uh, view your tapas and even the, the hatha yoga and that the message being that you heartily embrace the, the struggle and, um, and find the, de the depth of the discipline, but in the most loving, conscious way. Okay, so we learn from the past and we create a new, brighter future. Okay, so, and um, just remember, I, like I said at the top of this, I have a great course coming up, the Mysore Foundations second series course, and it's June 1st to July 22nd, eight weeks. It meets Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can do it live or um, as a recording afterwards. It, the, the Tuesdays is a kind of um, structured led class that where I introduce the principles that I um, want you to practice by, that show you my system within the system. Then Thursdays is um, small group Mysore classes that are structured and uh, I give you um, intentional projects and so that so you can even if you do the recorded version you will still have structure within that uh, Mysore class okay and um, so anyone can do it you don't have to have done my first series um, foundation course uh, you have to be ready to work on second series but you don't have to be proficient in second series because I'm going to help you with that and then after taking the course you will be eligible for uh, taking my regular weekly Mysore classes. Okay, so namaste.